Welcome to the Ortho Eval Pal Podcast, where we can help you build confidence with your orthopedic evaluation and management skills. We hope you enjoy the show. And now, for your host, Paul Marquis. Hello, everyone, and welcome to episode 163 of the Ortho Eval Pal Podcast. I am your host, Paul Marquis, and today we are going to be talking about therapeutic ultrasound and how to increase our treatment efficiency while using it. We're going to be talking about the mechanisms of how ultrasound works. We'll be going through some treatment techniques, talk about some indications and contraindications and precautions. We're also going to talk about, you know, how do you explain ultrasound to your patients so that they feel comfortable when they receive that treatment. And we're going to be talking about so much more than that. But if you wouldn't mind just holding for a moment and we are going to hear a word from our sponsors. A good night's sleep is what everybody needs. Fresh rest bedding will keep you comfortable all night. Our advanced textiles and weave wicks moisture and also regulates body temperature. This design, coupled with our all-natural organic antimicrobial, eliminates 99.9% of odor-causing bacteria, as well as dust mites, which are an allergen to many. Because our bedding stays fresh longer, it is eco-friendly, as it only requires washing once a month on average. This bedding is also known for its incredible softness. Our antimicrobial is all-natural and organic. No metals, waxes, chemicals, or nanos. Our sheets will never leach onto or into your skin ever. These sheets are safe for your entire family. Fresh Rest is designed and engineered by Maine Lee Technology Group, based in Wells, Maine, and our sheets are made for the USA. Fresh Rest Bedding is only available for purchase through our e-commerce website by visiting freshrestbedding.com. Once again, that's freshrestbedding.com. Welcome back. So, I get this great question um, just a couple days ago from Cameron from Puerto Rico, and he says, Paul, we do a lot of ultrasound down in this area, um, and he said, when I do ultrasound, which I think sometimes can be done a little more often than it should be, um, I want to be as effective as possible when treating my patients so that I can you know, optimize that time that I'm using the ultrasound for, and I think this is a great question because I think there are a lot, and I know there are a lot of people out there that do ultrasound but maybe they don't use the right techniques maybe the sound head size is not just right Uh, maybe the parameters just aren't on or the patient position may not be right so we want to talk about how do we optimize all of that okay so the first thing I want to say is thanks, Cameron. It's a great question. I hope to be able to answer all your uh, your questions uh, in the show today. So first of all, why do we do ultrasound? Okay, therapeutic ultrasound especially because it is different than diagnostic ultrasound. Well, the first thing is we can help increase blood flow to an area. As a result, if we increase blood flow to the area, we increase oxygenation to the region. We help to improve the nutrition to that area, so it helps to improve healing. We can also improve tissue mobility by increasing that temperature of that tissue. Ultrasound can also be used to help decrease inflammation, um, but I typically use it more to help warm up a tissue so that I can make it move better or increase its elasticity. So how does ultrasound work? Well, I kind of like to explain it like this to my patients. You have this generator, so you basically show them the ultrasound unit, and electricity goes from that generator through the cord into the sound head. 
Okay, and in that sound head is a crystal. And in the past, they used to be made out of like quartz crystals. So they would cut this tube of quartz crystal and they'd take slices of it and put it in the head. And when you put electricity to that type of crystal, it expands and contracts and expands and contracts really, really quickly and produces a sound wave. Well, the old quartz crystals were not all consistent as far as the density goes. So they started to do more of a man-made type of crystal using lead, zirconate, titanate that helped to improve the consistency of how that sound wave was produced when electricity was put into it. So the sound wave is produced that goes through the soft tissue, you know, in through the fat, in through some of the muscle, and, and sometimes into tendon, all the way down to the bone if the uh, parameters are set um, just so. It vibrates that soft tissue and causes friction. So I tell them it's just like rubbing your hands together. The harder and faster you rub your hands together, the hotter it gets. And it can increase the temperature of the tissue deep inside 4, Celsius, four degrees Celsius up to 4 centimeters deep. So that's pretty significant. You know, Draper had done some studies way back where they took a needle, put it into the calf, and they checked the um, the difference in, in temperature through a gauge and could see this increase of 4 degrees Celsius at about 4 centimeters deep. So that's pretty significant, seeing um, moist heat and ice do not penetrate even half that deep. So um, this is a good way to help warm up some of those deep tissues. Now, I could spend a lot of time discussing ultrasound. I used to uh, teach modalities at uh, University of Maine at Presque Isle. And, you know, it was a whole four to five hours I would spend on ultrasound and techniques and using it and whatnot. But what I want to do today is talk about how we can use ultrasound more effectively. Lots of people don't use ultrasound anymore. There are a lot of studies out there that prove that it is ineffective. I think if done alone, I think if done in conjunction with other activities at the appropriate time can be beneficial. So I have to admit, I do use therapeutic ultrasound less than I used to. But when I do, I do everything in my power to make it as effective a treatment as possible when I'm working with my patients. So let's discuss... Um, some of the most important things that you should remember when you're doing therapeutic ultrasound. And we will talk about contraindications and precautions in a little bit, but let's talk about why we do it and how we can do it better. Okay, so the first thing, if you want to increase flexibility or elasticity of a soft tissue, you're going to want to try to stretch that tissue while you're doing the ultrasound. Now, why is that? Well, you can increase the temperature of the tissue while doing the ultrasound but once you remove that sound head and the treatment is all done, the temperature of that tissue will go back to normal within a three-minute period. Okay, so if you're doing, let's say, a bilateral plantar fasciitis and you're ultrasounding one foot, then you switch over and do the other one and you're spending six to eight minutes maybe on that other foot, the first foot you did is now back to, you know, its normal temperature. If your goal is to increase the plantar fascia mobility, then stretch that fascia while you are doing the ultrasound. And then maybe once you're done that ultrasound, they continue stretching using a sheet or a towel, stretching the big toe back, working on that gastroxoleus mobility and plantar fascia mobility while ultrasounding the other side and stretching that at the same time. Okay, so try to stretch those tissues at the same time that you're ultrasounding if you're trying to improve the elasticity or mobility of the soft tissues. Your number two, your sound head movement is very important, okay? You are not frosting a kick, eh? 
I've seen this where you're doing uh, people are, are you know doing ultrasound on a lateral epicondylitis and um, you know they're they're frosting an area that's about six inches in diameter. They're going from mid forearm to you know midway up the brachium, and that is totally ineffective. So one thing you need to remember here is the ERA the effective radiating area of the sound head that you're using. Okay, the sound wave does not come out as strong all the way throughout the uh, sound head, especially the outer edges of it. So that outer edge of your sound head is not very effective as far as sending the sound wave through. So what I tell people is do a slow circular pattern around a small area that needs to be ultrasounded. So I never usually do ultrasound in any area that's larger than, you know, I'd say a half dollar or something like that. Um, and you want to do about two times the size of your sound head in regards to the distance that you go side to side, okay? So about two times the sound head and in a nice slow circular pattern. Um, and it's important that you keep moving that sound head, especially if you're doing thermal ultrasound so that you don't burn the patient. Um, and if you are doing a pulsed ultrasound, then you can be moving that sound head really, really slow, almost to the point where you are almost stopped. As long as the patient doesn't have discomfort, then you are very safe doing that with a pulsed ultrasound. Number three, use continuous to increase the temperature tissue and pulse to decrease inflammation. All right, so if you're looking to improve mobility or trying to warm up a muscle real deep or a tendon, um, then you can use thermal ultrasound and you want to get that, uh, you know, use that continuous mode to get that tissue temperature up there. Somebody comes in with an acute ankle sprain, you probably want to do 20% or 50% pulsed over that area just to help decrease some of that inflammation, bring a little bit of blood flow to the area to help promote some healing. Um, but that's something to take into consideration. Number four, your sound head size. So there are different sizes for sound heads. If you are doing a piriformis, you don't want to be using a sound head that is uh, three quarters of an inch in diameter. You want to use something that is an inch and a half to two inches in diameter so you can cover a little bit more area, um, especially for those larger muscle groups. If you're doing a decor veins or maybe an extensor tendon on the uh, fingers, you're going to want to go into a very small sound head size um, so that you can more effectively treat that area because if the sound head is not contacting the skin, then the head itself will become very, very hot because the sound wave isn't being absorbed by the body. It's being absorbed all in that metal head and that can get quite hot. Okay, remember rubbing your hands together really fast in one spot um, will cause something to burn or just like a rope that's running through your hand. It's all in that same spot. So that will burn you. Um, so you want to make sure that sound head size is uh, correct. Next, Number five, you want to look at when you're buying an ultrasound, you want to look into what we call the BNR, BNR, that's the beam non-uniformity ratio. In the past, these ratios were quite small and um, people would get a lot of burns and you could actually burn capillaries with an old ultrasound that had a poor BNR. But you want anything that has a, a 6 to 1 or more ratio. A lot of the new ones now are up in the 8 to 9 to 1 ratio. Uh, and those will be much more comfortable for the patient and definitely a lot safer. So that's your beam non-uniformity ratio. Number six. Expose the tissue that you want to work on, okay? So make sure that, you know, you're trying to get to the depth of that tissue. If you are trying to ultrasound, uh, let's say, 
a herniated disc, which you don't do, of course, but you, you, you people have tried, um, and or a facet joint um, that is quite deep, and in some people, maybe way deeper than four centimeters. So you know, what is the effectiveness of that ultrasound? Um, like a rotator cuff, you know, you have a big deltoid in front of that rotator cuff insertion, uh, and that can, you know obstruct your sound wave from getting into the right area. So extend the shoulder a little bit, splay that deltoid and, and expose that rotator cuff a little bit more so that you can optimize the sound wave getting into that area. And that'll be much more effective. Number seven, remember this, phonophoresis. Um, when you consider doing phonophoresis, the, the research out there has shown for quite a long time now that you really cannot deliver the medication with ultrasound through the tissue, um, that it's probably just getting absorbed because you're rubbing it on the skin, um, not because the sound wave is actually pushing it through. So it's no more effective to do medication uh, in an ultrasound gel uh, than it is to just rub it on your skin. Um, so something to take into consideration because uh, phonophoresis can be uh, quite costly uh, to obtain and the reimbursement on this is really not great. So um, I, I've stopped using phonophoresis for uh, greater than 20 years now um, just because way back we found that that was not a very effective uh, form of treatment. Now, um, if you were to do a deep tissue, let's say a periformis or something like that, you know, you want to go to a one megahertz because one megahertz is going to send that sound wave a little bit deeper. I tend to go a little longer with those deep tissues, like eight to 10 minutes. And I would use an intensity of 1.5 to 2.0 watts per centimeter squared. And that can increase the depth of that tissue temperature a lot better. Now, let's say you're doing a carpal tunnel. You don't want to do something that is deep like a one megahertz. You want to go to three megahertz, probably lighten up your um, intensity to 0.8 to 1.0 watts per centimeter squared, and then cut that time down to about four to five minutes. And that will give you enough effective uh, ultrasound to uh, take care of that issue uh, in regards to that area. So, you know, knowing your tissues, knowing your structures are very important because, you know, protein dense tissues will absorb sound wave a lot more than fatty um, tissues. And so, you know, remember that if you're working specifically over a tendon, they may get a little achiness or may get a little hot because they're really absorbing a lot of that sound wave. Um, so you may not need to use such a high intensity. So let's talk about some precautions and contraindications to ultrasound. I mean, this is going to sound like, a you know, those new commercials they come out with with medication where you can take this medication. It's going to make you feel like a million bucks, but you could die of uh, liver disease. Your kidneys could shut down. You could end up with a heart attack. You could definitely die. Um, and you're probably going to lose all your hair and go blind and da, 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 da. So I'm going to give you a list of things to to be attentive uh, to. But, you know, really in all the years that I've been doing ultrasound, I've really not you know, seen any cases that have gone bad because of ultrasound that we've done. I think that a lot of these contraindications and precautions are there, but I don't think they've ever tested it on any, anybody. They're like, you know, um, nobody out there with cancer is going to want to go try an ultrasound study to see if it makes their cancer any worse. So a lot of this is on speculation, um, but they are things that you should be cautious of and, uh, and, and, and that I am very cautious with. So number one, you don't want to, uh, we'll start from the head down. You don't want to go over the eyeballs. You don't want to do uh, ultrasound transcerebrally. 
You want to avoid the carotids um, and any open wounds. You want to avoid ultrasounding over uh, the heart or um, even though there is no real contraindication to uh, ultrasounding over a pacemaker or near pacemaker, I still would not do it. you just, you know, this has never really been tested. So I, I just would avoid that. If somebody had a pacemaker and you're ultrasounding their foot, I wouldn't have a problem doing that. Um, you also want to avoid, um, again, open wounds. You want to avoid cemented prostheses. Okay, so if somebody's had a total joint replacement, like a hip or a knee, you want to avoid ultrasounding over the area of cement. Um, they say that could, that sound wave could break some of that cement down. Um you want to avoid people who have DVTs and thrombophlebitis, avoid those areas, definitely over malignant tumors, and uh, avoid growth plates. Again, we don't really know that it's going to do anything to anybody who has a growth plate, So you, uh, but you still want to avoid that. Now, some people, and I have also used this in the past, um, you know, ultrasound, therapeutic ultrasound to help identify like a stress fracture, especially one around the foot or, you know, some people will come in and maybe they twisted their ankle and they're having fibular pain. And so I might put the ultrasound on pulsed and go really slowly throughout the whole shaft of the bone. And, um, you know, it should really feel if it's just pulse, just, you know, really shouldn't feel much at all. Um, But I have had, you know, three or four people in my career where I've gone over a fracture site and they pretty much jump through the roof because that fracture site gets that vibration causes quite a bit of discomfort and um, you know so if it's somebody who hasn't been to the emergency room they haven't had x-rays they've had some sort of a traumatic event or a sprain or strain or something like that and you're going over the uh, the shaft of the bone with the pulse ultrasound they have some discomfort I'd probably send them for an x-ray just to be sure but it's not a super accurate way to identify fractures but clinically um, it can certainly help um, make you decide if you want to treat this person conservatively or send for that x-ray anyway um so there it is ultrasound in a nutshell Uh, i know i went through a lot of information folks if you have questions be sure to throw them into the uh you know into an email send them to me i'd be more than happy to answer them uh thank you very much cameron for your question and i hope this helps some and um so that we can all make the use of our modalities much more efficient when we do use them and again modalities are a tool that help us to get patients um, better but we never use them alone Um, and what I did is a a video very similar to this uh, on YouTube so the link will be in the show notes so make sure you click on that if you want to kind of see me talk about some of this stuff Um, sometimes you know seeing is a little bit better than listening some people like that Uh, other people don't like to see my ugly mug so they'd rather just listen to me Um, so folks thank you so much for listening to OrthoEvalPal I really enjoy doing this and uh, if you wouldn't mind um, jump over to you know your podcasting station wherever you listen to OrthoEvalPal, give us a rating and review. That would be greatly appreciated. If you see our videos on YouTube, give us a thumbs up or an applaud. Uh, That would be uh, greatly appreciated. That just helps us to move OrthoEvalPal forward with more content and more education for you so that we can help to continue to increase our confidence in treating orthopedic patients better and, uh, you know, optimize our treatment. Uh, And again, folks, thank you so much for listening. Have a great day. We hope you've enjoyed the show. For some more awesome content, go to orthoevalpal.com. Can't wait to see you there.